Well, 15 years ago today, we hired a very special person to come on our staff. Uh, she was the, the first hire I was a part of as lead pastor, and what a great hire she has been. She fits her role perfectly. Uh, she takes care of so many things for us, answering the phone, scheduling the building, creating the Friday email blast, putting together the Sunday bulletin, scheduling social media posts, ordering and tracking all sorts of supplies. The list goes on and on and on. And no matter what she does, she always does it with excellence and a smile. She also serves in our grief share ministry, and perhaps most significantly, she and her husband teach our second grade Sunday school class each and every Sunday. Many of you know who I'm talking about. She is the one, the only, Linda Holmes. Yeah, let's give it up for Linda. So if you see Linda today, and I'll just give you a little hint, she's back in the back there somewhere. Um, if you see her today, would you please express your gratitude and thanks to her for her faithful work and service here? She is never allowed to resign or retire. Um, but Linda, you are loved and appreciated. And thanks so much for who you are, first of all, and also then for what you do for the Lord. Now, let, let's turn in our Bibles uh, today to the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes as we continue our series, Life Under the Sun. We're going to look at some verses in chapter 2. If you do not have a copy of God's Word, uh, we have free copies back at the Next Step area in the back of this room, and they're also there on the chair rack in front of you. You can also download a digital version of the Bible by using the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or tablet. I want you to fill in this blank today. For me to be happy, I need what? What is that for you? Maybe it's I need to earn $20,000 more a year, or I need to get married and have kids, or I need to go to Disney World. Now, who would you say is the happiest person in the world? Is it Bill Gates? Is it Oprah, Taylor Swift, Elon Musk? I mean, it has to be someone with a beard, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, actually, no. It's, it's supposedly someone who has achieved the highest known level of human activity in the left prefrontal cortex. That is an area of the brain associated with positive emotions. Who has done this, you ask? His name is Matthew Ricard. He is actually known as the happiest person in the world. Now, in this picture, he doesn't look like the happiest person in the world. But, uh, you know, sometimes looks can be deceiving, right? Ricard is a French Buddhist writer and monk who's lived in a monastery in Nepal for over 37 years. And he says... The key to his happiness lies in his meditation training in love and compassion. So maybe what we all need to do is move to Nepal, convert to Buddhism, and become monks, right? I mean, personally, I think that would be miserable, to be quite honest. But do you know what the happiest country in the world is? 
right? According to the latest Gallup World Poll, do you know what the happiest country in the world is? Here it is. It is Finland, all right? How about the happiest job to have? Do you know what the happiest job to have is? You probably have it, right? It's a construction worker. So instead of moving to Nepal and becoming monks, what we really need to do is move to Finland and become construction workers, right? According to a Harvard University study, and this study spans 75 years, they found that happiness is not in things like money or fame. It's not found in that. No, what what they found was the key to happiness is social connectedness. People who were more socially connected to their community and friends turned out to be happier than others. They were also physically healthier and went on to live longer than others around them. So, for me to be happy, for you to be happy... What do you need? What is it really? Do, do we actually become a monk and meditate all day? Do we go move to Finland? Do we find the right job? Do we develop better social connections? Is that really where it's at? Well, as we continue our journey through Ecclesiastes, you'd think if there was ever a man who should have been the happiest person in the world, it would surely be Solomon, the author of the book. I mean, he had power. He was king over Israel and enjoyed a peaceful, prosperous reign. Solomon also had wisdom. He was actually given the gift of wisdom by God. He was was sought after for his knowledge and insight. And then Solomon also had pleasure. I mean, any type he wanted... And as we'll see today, Solomon immersed himself in a lifestyle of indulgence and self-satisfaction. I mean, if there was ever a man who had it all, it was Solomon. In Ecclesiastes 2, he journals about his exploration of a variety of pleasures. And what's interesting is everything that Solomon explores is no different than what is available to us today. In fact, he even says in chapter 1, there is nothing new under the sun. The pleasures of 3,000 years ago aren't any different than what is appealing today. So let's let's begin reading at verse number 1. Solomon writes, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is madness. And what does pleasure accomplish? And so what Solomon does then is he begins to list the pleasures he tried. These pleasures can be illustrated by the countless TV channels we turn to with our handy-dandy remote controls. You got one of those at home? Yeah. These can also be illustrated through the different apps that we use on our phones. We now have 24-7 access to these things and can experience them no matter where we are. We have pleasure on demand. And like Solomon, many people turn to pleasure, if not for ultimate meaning, then for distraction from lack of meaning. Here's the first channel Solomon turns to. He turns to the E-Network, entertainment 
television. In verse two there, he mentions laughter. See, Solomon, he brought in the best comedians, Caliendo, Gaffigan, Seinfeld, Tim Hawkins, Michael Jr., you name it. They were brought before Solomon. Whatever made the king laugh. And there's nothing wrong with laughter, right? I'm looking out over the audience today. Some of you could use a good laugh, right? You really could. In Ecclesiastes 3, the Bible says there is a time to laugh. But there's also, it goes on to say, a time to weep and a time to mourn. When the laughter subsides, what's left? There's got to be more, right? And so in verse 8, Solomon, it says, acquired male and female singers. He turned to music, MTV, or God forbid, CMT. But today... Today with streaming services like Spotify, right? You can play whatever style of music you want whenever you want it. And what's cool about Solomon is he could have the actual singers come to his palace and give him a private concert. And you talk about VIP. How awesome would that be? But at the end of the day, entertainment, it didn't last for Solomon. And so he decided to see what else was on. Look at verse 3. He says, I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, my my mind still guiding me with wisdom. Solomon, what does he do? He turns to partying. He begins to drink. Now, I, I can't stand up here and say that drinking alcohol in and of itself is wrong for those 21 years old and older. However, I can make a good case against it. The dangers of drinking are vast. Countless lives have been ruined or sidetracked due to alcohol. You probably know this, but underage drinking is common in our country. In fact, alcohol is the most commonly used substance among young people in the U.S. A recent survey found that among high school students during the past 30 days, 29% drank alcohol. It's probably not coincidental then that 30% of adults in America, three out of every 10, drink at levels that put them at risk for a host of problems. Commercials, billboards, and other ads make it seem glamorous and enjoyable, but they never show the picture of someone hugging the toilet and throwing up. They don't take you to the AA meeting or the divorce hearing. Solomon became a party animal, but the pleasure didn't last. And so what did he do? He decided to see what else was on. Look at verse three. He says, I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens during the few days of their lives. I undertook great projects. I built houses for myself and planted vineyards. I made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made reservoirs to water groves of flourishing trees. Welcome to HGTV, right? There you go. Solomon undertook some great projects. You know, the Bible tells us in 1 Kings chapter 6 that it took Solomon seven years to construct the temple in Jerusalem, the the house of worship for God. 
But then if you read on in 1 Kings chapter 7, we find that it took Solomon 13 years to build his own palace. 13 years. His home was like a theme park. Lush vegetation, waterfalls, gardens. Do you have any home improvement projects on your list for this summer? I'm, I'm seeing a head shaking no out there. No, no, some, no, no home improvement projects. You know, sometimes we can become restless if we don't have some new project to work on, right? But you know this to be true. Over time, that tree you planted 10 years ago splits in an ice storm. The smell of the new hardwood floors fades and the fresh mulch deteriorates along with any feelings of pleasure. And so since Solomon, since that didn't last for Solomon, he decided to turn to something else. Look at verse 7. He says, I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. Solomon had people waiting on him hand and foot. He didn't have to lift a finger. He continues. He says, I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amassed silver and gold for myself and the treasure of kings and provinces. Man, Solomon had, he had money and possessions. Money and possessions. This could be any reality TV show that showcases the lifestyles of the rich and famous. The common thread that runs through them all is that it showcases a person's wealth. An article I came across this week said this. It said, by today's standards, Solomon was reputed to have a personal fortune in excess of $60 trillion. That's 60 with 12 zeros behind it. Solomon says, I owned more herds and flocks than anyone. Now, did Solomon really need all these herds and flocks? That's right. No, he didn't. Right? After all, he was king, right? He was king. He didn't need them. But what were they? They were a symbol to him and to everyone else of his wealth and importance. And likewise today, some people try to find happiness in status symbols. They join country clubs and buy certain cars and boats and other toys to show their wealth. I like what Dave Ramsey says. He says, we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And it's interesting in verse 8, the King James Version translates it this way. It says, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of provinces. This is more than likely a reference to Solomon having a coin collection. Now, m most of us probably collect something, right? I know when I was a kid, I collected sports trading cards. Maybe you did that. Uh, I know over the years, I've collected coffee mugs and bought different mugs at different places that I've gone. But some people think that they will find happiness in the things they collect, in some sort of hobby. But for Solomon, even that pleasure didn't last. And so he, he turned to something else. Look at verse 8 again. It says, I acquired a harem as well. The delights of a man's heart. Now, we, we have plenty of channels to choose from today when it comes to sex. 
Solomon explored pleasure and sexual satisfaction by sleeping with a multitude of women. The Bible says he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. A concubine was someone whose sole purpose was to be available if at any given moment the king wanted her for physical intimacy. Solomon indulged. And this was not just something that he did in passing or it was some kind of, you know, one-time weekend fling. No, this had become a lifestyle for him. And you know what? For too many men and women, maybe even some here today, it's become a lifestyle for you as well. You're addicted to porn. You're having an ongoing affair. You're caught up in the current hookup culture. But hopefully, like Solomon, you'll realize that it promises much more than it can deliver. It doesn't result in true happiness either. In fact, it leaves you empty. See, Solomon tried every channel. There was nothing left. And so he writes in verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. Solomon is like, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. You know, Dan, Daniel and Jonathan Aiken write in their commentary this. They said, Solomon had the most success. He had the best houses, the most possessions, the richest lifestyle, the most sophistication. He had the finest wines, the most incredible parties and feasts, the greenest lawns, the best servants, more money than we could possibly imagine. He had military fame popularity, endless entertainment, and as much sexual pleasure as anyone could ever indulge in. And he says it was all empty. Maybe you can relate to that today, at least in part. We might think to ourselves, I just need more, right? More money, more stuff, more pleasure. But Solomon says, none of that brings true meaning and happiness. And if that was true for him, what hope do we have? Later on in Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon writes this. Look at verse 24. He says, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and what? And happiness. See, what, what Solomon is doing here is he's, he's calling us to be content and satisfied with God and the gifts from his hand. You see, in the beginning, God designed the world so that we would enjoy the things he gave us as a means to worship him. But human sin distorted that. So now, what, what do we do? We look to created things for the satisfaction only God can give. 
We want more, 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 and more, and we're never happy because more will not satisfy us. Only God can. Now, let me be clear. The problem is not the things in and of themselves. Not, not one of the things, not one of the things Solomon mentioned is necessarily evil, right? Laughter, music, gardening, sex with your spouse, and all the other things can be good and holy if used as God intended. The problem is the value we place on them. The problem is the value we place on them. Instead of trying to find happiness in those things, we need to learn to be satisfied in God. And then we can rightly enjoy the things he gives us. As Solomon says, apart from God, there is no enjoyment. Everything is meaningless without God. But with him, we can enjoy everything. And so here, here's the lesson Solomon learned that I hope all of us will learn today. Here it is. Only in God can you find true happiness. Only in God can you find true happiness. You know, Solomon's life in many ways reminds me of the prodigal son. Maybe uh, some of you know that story. It's a story that Jesus told in the New Testament. It's the story of a son who cashes in his inheritance early. And then he goes and uses that inheritance to travel to Vegas, you know, and experience the pleasures of wild living. Many people think that the prodigal son's sin was partying too much. And then he came to his senses and wanted to leave his partying days behind. But what we forget is that the story does not just begin with partying, it ends with partying, right? Yeah, there's a party that this son has in the far country that leaves him broken, but there's also an epic party that his father throws for him when he comes back home. There's dancing, there's singing. It can be heard outside. The difference is the son cannot truly enjoy the party until he is satisfied in the father's love. The son cannot truly enjoy the party until he is satisfied in the father's love. And that, my friends, is the good news of Jesus Christ. See, satisfied in Christ and his love, we now enjoy life. We enjoy marriage, children, work, laughter, gardening, building, and so many other pursuits as God intended. So for me to be happy, I need, I need God. I need Jesus and his love. As the old hymn says, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. And so what do we need to do? We need to stop our channel surfing through the temporary pleasures of this world. 
Rather, what we need to do is we need to change the channel over to the one who promises us eternal pleasure and joy through Christ. And so today, if you want to talk with someone about true happiness in God, I hope that you'll drop by our next step area before you leave, or if you're joining us online right now, just leave us a comment. We would love to connect with you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy, the happiness, the fulfillment, the satisfaction that we can find in you. And Father, forgive us. Forgive us when we pursue other things and not you. Where we put our hope in the things that are under the sun and God, we forget about you. We forget about heavenly things, eternal things. God, give us a right perspective. Help us to pursue you first and foremost and to realize that there is no enjoyment. There is no happiness outside of you. Father, thank you for what you have done for us. We continue our worship now as we take our next step toward Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.